This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, the college football season is in the books. The NFL regular season has concluded here at Saturday to Sunday. We are set to turn the wheels to all things, the NFL draft. But before we get there, quick recap of the national championship game. What's going on in terms of some declarations for the NFL draft, who's coming back to school. And then we're really going to put a bow on this NFL year by talking about one concluding NFL rookie report, kind of talking about how guys finished up at the year heading into the offseason, guys that we'd be buying, guys that we'd be selling, guys that we're going to have question marks about, you know, who 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 might be able to be replaced, like whose job is a little bit safer in terms of their value. All things rookies, recapping it, setting the stage for your off, dynasty offseasons as well. But we got to start with the national championship game. Last week, Jeff and I talked at length about Michael Penix, his stock soaring after that Texas game. And for those of you who listened last week, I had a line in there and I asked Jeff, and it was like hypothetical, but I said, would Michael Panix's stock have been better if last week was the final game he played, but Texas had pulled off that miracle win at the end of that game? And I think the answer is without a doubt a resounding yes now that we have you know, the complete picture of what he did in that national championship game because he faced Michael Pax this year, faced some good defenses. Oregon's a good defense. Texas is a good defense. But Texas secondary is vulnerable as we saw Michael Pax took advantage of that. Michigan was a whole different level. And we saw Michael Pax play one of his worst games of the year. He had some other moments there this year the Arizona State game, some other games where we saw some inconsistency. So if he would have went out of last week being his final thing that people saw, the evaluators, I think there would have been NFL coaches, GMs, who might have sold themselves a little bit more. But watching him struggle in the national championship, watching him miss throws in those moments and not handling pressure well and, and missing wide open receivers and questionable ball placement at times, I think that's going to linger a little bit. And it's only a little bit because I don't want to make that one game we got to overreact to. I think we can get sometimes more excited over things we see in the game, but we got to we got to well the storm a little bit if it's a, if it's a bad game. Players have bad games all the time. The best prospects ever have bad games at, all the time. But what I do think it is, we know there was already going to be question marks about Michael Panix Jr. in terms of how high he can go because of the injuries. Uh, you know, two ACL surgeries you know, other issues that have caused him to miss seasons. You add that onto the fact where prior to that Texas game, we hadn't seen him do a lot with his legs or playoff structure. And then you add this Michigan game where he, you know, really struggled at times, uh, didn't handle the pressure. And I think now you, you get into that scenario where is top 10 realistic? Maybe because of how many, of how many teams, you know, are in need of a quarterback. But when you listen to the people who are really in the know, like I said last week, prior to last, after last week's game, he wasn't in many mock drafts in round one. Most people all season, even when he was having great statistical success, 
was saying he was more of a day two player, a round two guy. Now, I had him as my, you know, fourth draft eligible quarterback. I had him ahead of J.J. McCarthy, who I'll get to momentarily. But I was hoping that after that game, and you started to see after that Texas game, Michael Panik's going in top 10 of mocks, top 15s, round one of mocks. And now I think we're back to, I think it's debatable. Could a team in the, you know, like Minnesota Vikings in like the early teens, could they pull a trigger? Could Atlanta desperately want a quarterback if they don't have a plan to get Justin Fields or, you know, Kirk Cousins or some other veteran like that or make a bold, bold trade up? Could they sell themselves on that? Could it be a team that trades back a little bit and maybe they pick them a little later? Could it be a team that jumps back into round one and in the 20s takes Michael Paddock Jr.? I think now all things are on the table. I think if he would have played a good game in the national championship, I would feel confident coming out there saying round one, lock it in, sharpie it. But I, I think now it's much more debatable, especially when you add in the the injury factors and the medical concerns. If those are a legit question mark for NFL teams, then it'd be hard to think that they're not. And then the way he played in that last game, I do think there's more of a question. I still think I he's a guy that I if the medicals check out and you're looking for more of that traditional pocket passing quarterback, I'd be okay with him in round one. But I do but I do think in terms of the way the NFL is played and you're not in pristine situations often and you're not playing behind pristine offensive lines, I still think that the ability to play off structure, the ability to move, the ability to use your legs is still vital in today's NFL. And you have to be a pinpoint accurate passer at times, and we saw that at times this year, but then we still sometimes sort of make consistency with Michael Paddock Jr. I still like him. He's still my QB4. He's still ahead of J.J. McCarthy. But I do think this game, there's no way around it, hurt his stock a little bit. Uh, we'll stay with Washington for one second. We haven't heard of all their official things. They have until next week. Next week's episode uh, really will be dedicated to the final list, who declared, who went back, maybe some more transfer stuff. Uh, I expect Romo Dunes to obviously declare. Uh, Jalen Polk, we'll, we'll kind of see about that one. I think that's a, a little bit of a wild card there. Uh, Jalen McMillan, you know, so we got, we, we got to, we need final confirmation on those guys. Uh, if Odunes declares, I expect him to be gone in the first 10, 12 picks, maybe as high as, you know, six to the Giants, you know, maybe somewhere else in the top 10, early, early teens. Uh, that's where I think Romo Dunes will go. I do think he'll be the third wide receiver after Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors. I think Polk will be more of a, I think he's more of a round two guy. Uh, McMillan more of like a round three guy, depending on uh, if they declare or not. On the flip side of this, Michigan, obviously great performance. Best they, you know, that game even at halftime when it was 17-10, I kind of felt like Michigan never was in doubt in that game. Uh, but I continue to harp on the same thing, and I'm so fascinated. Uh, and maybe by the time you're listening to this, J.J. McCarthy will have made his, his you know, uh, decision public or not. But when you watch J.J. McCarthy and you watch the way Michigan called games. That's the thing that I think is critical. It was one thing when they ran the ball like 25 times in their game earlier in the season. They were just trying to get the win. You know, they needed to get I get it. But they could have put that game away the other night if they would have had more trust in J.J. McCarthy. You know, Washington was selling out to stop the run in the second half. They could have done play action, bootlegs. Uh, they, could have, they could have put that game away. When they asked McCarthy to do things, he, you know, he didn't look comfortable. 
that's been my thing with him all the time. He'll show some good athletic ability. He'll show a tight window throw here or there. He's very toolsy. They just don't ask him to do a lot. And is it that they don't trust him? They don't think he can do it. They don't need him to do it. I, I It's not that I, I have a hard time thinking it's that they don't need him to do it at times. I feel like if you had a quarterback who had the ability to do certain things, why would you not use that to your advantage in college football? It's not like they couldn't be a little bold at times. They're an elite defense. I just feel like they, they very much protected him. And I still struggle with seeing him as a, as a round one guy. I know like there's some Giants fans who are very intrigued by him. I think picking him at six would be Daniel Jones repeat. A guy who's more of a round two talent. He's got some tools to him. He's got, you know, athleticism to him. He's got arm talent to him. But he has done nothing at Michigan to make me think he's a guy warranted going to the top six of the NFL draft. And he's going to be your guy that is your franchise quarterback where you build a game plan around him. And you ask him to win games when you're down nine in the fourth quarter. I mean, Michigan never really was willing to put the game in his hands. And I think that does say something about him. You know, so I, I think he should go back to school. I think he goes back to school and maybe Michigan, you know, maybe next year it's a little bit more, especially if Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL. Maybe Michigan's not as good. Maybe he gives J.J. McCarthy an opportunity, you know, to be a little bit more prolific in college. I can't imagine he does go back, though, especially with my thinking that Harbaugh is going to take an NFL job. But I do think if he goes back, he has a chance to be in the mix, to be one of the top three quarterbacks taken. Maybe some development pushes him in to the top five or the top ten. So that's kind of where we are with J.J. McCarthy. I think Donovan Edwards is a fascinating story. What we saw early in the game the other night, I think is what I think a lot of people thought they were going to see all year from Donovan Edwards. A prolific, big playback. Does he use that to kind of catapult himself? and hope that it, his draft stock somewhere on day two? Or does he go back to school with Blake Horn moving on to the NFL and says, I'm the focal point of this run game next year, hope that he has a great year and could be one of the first running backs taken in the 2025 NFL draft. I do think that is the way that Edward should play it. I'm just not sure that it's going to be the way that he actually does play it. Besides that, I don't really think there's much else to discuss with the national championship game. Congrats to Michigan. We'll see about all the, you know, obviously Nick Saban retiring, Jim Harbaugh maybe going to the NFL. A lot of a lot of stuff changing in the landscape of college football as well. Uh, today, I'm recording this on Thursday evening. Marvin Harrison Jr. has officially declared for the NFL draft. We'll see him. My guess is... Pick two, pick three, or pick four. He, he'll he be one of those picks. It'll kind of depend on what teams do in terms of their quarterback. Do they go quarterbacks, or does Marvin Harrison get picked second or third? I think fourth is his absolute po- latest. He would possibly fall. Uh, his teammate, though, Omega Egbuka, going back to college, I think that's a good play. Uh, he didn't have the year. He was injured a lot this year. I think he comes back next year and has a big-time year. He can re-catapult himself right into the mix as an early uh, to mid-round one pick where I think a lot of people thought he might be earlier before the year started. Uh, I think he'll he'll squarely potentially be in the mix to be one of the the first wide receivers taken in the 2025 NFL draft. So those are a couple big decisions that, you know, we were waiting on. Still a lot more, you know. The other one, another big one was Quinn Ewers. 
when Ewers decided to go back to school, and I think that's a smart play for him. Uh, I thought maybe he'd go into the transfer portal, and I don't know the time frame of when he would have to do that immediately. He has some time. Uh, but with Arch Manning there, do they hold, does he hold off Arch Manning? Uh, does Arch Manning think about the transfer portal? I don't think so. Uh, does Quinn Ewers still think about it? Or does Quinn Ewers say, I'm going to try to win the job and, 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 and stay here? And Arch Manning, you know, just kind of waits it out another year. I don't know. I can't imagine Arch Manning wants to wait out another year. But I do think Quinn Ewers is a very talented player in his own right. I thought before the year started, he was going to be around one quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft because he's very toolsy. And I think a team would have been very intrigued with him in this year's draft. I think it would have been more of day two than round one. Uh, but I do think he puts himself now in the mix with Shadu Sanders, uh, Carson Beck, uh, you know, and, and maybe J.J. McCarthy, depending on his decision. I think he puts himself in the mix there uh, as being one of the more intriguing quarterback prospects for the 2025 NFL draft. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of see how that Quinn Ewer situation plays itself out. So let's turn this over to the NFL now, and the rest of the show will be dedicated to kind of a, a concluding NFL rookie report from the 2023 NFL season. It was a prolific year for the rookies, uh, which is so intriguing because it was a it was considered a good quarter it was considered a good quarterback class, a good running back class and tight end, but a suspect wide receiver class. But the wide receiver class ended up being unbelievable. So let's start at the quarterback position. Obviously, C.J. Stroud, uh, one of the favorites to win the Rookie of the Year, him and Puka Nakua, who I'll talk about in, momentarily. But let's start with C.J. Stroud. Like, he answered all the questions, right? And and when you're talking about C.J. Stroud now entering, you know, his first playoff game this upcoming week, and then obviously, even if they win or lose, doesn't matter, entering his first offseason. Uh, Houston is set up there. If you have C.J. Stroud as a fantasy guy, I think you could squarely say, He's already in that mold where you could look at C.J. Stroud and the trajectory that he's on, that he's very much similar to a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow. I kind of think, you know, obviously Houston supposed to surround them with better players and, and fix some other things. But I think when you look at C.J. Stroud and his upside, he's not going to be a guy that does a lot with his legs, but neither does Justin Herbert, neither does Joe Burrow. They do a little bit. C.J. Stroud could do a little bit, but he's going to be a guy, you know, like when we used to see... Ben Roethlisberger have really great fantasy years, or Matt Ryan, or Philip Rivers. That's the kind of the world that C.J. Stroud's going to be living in. If you get more modern, I think we're talking Justin Herbert. I think we're talking Joe Burrow. I think he's got those potential statistical passing, uh, you know, production in him. And what we saw this year, I think, is just the beginning of it as they continue to build up that team around them, get more receivers. Get Tank, Bell, Tank Dell back healthy. And, and listen, it might just be Tank Dell and Nico Collins as their one, too, based on what we started Nico Collins and Tank Dell. But I think, you know, we got to see another year Tank Dell. And, you know, maybe they, maybe somebody develops into that third wide receiver or they get, they upgrade at some point Dalton Schultz or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I do think CJ Stroud is on that trajectory to be looked at in the fantasy world and maybe the real NFL world very similarly to how we look at a guy. Uh, like Justin Herbert. I think that, you know, Joe Burrow's already won a Super Bowl. So I think I, in the NFL world, he's a tier ahead right now, for sure. Uh, but fantasy, I could see a guy like Joe Burrow, Stroud, Herbert being very much uh, maybe not top five in that mix of quarterbacks or top four. But I think in that, you know, six to eight range is kind of where those guys 
probably will be, uh, you know, if everyone played a full health year, which we know obviously isn't the case. Uh, obviously, Anthony Richardson is the wild card here. Obviously, the production that he was doing right out of the gate was unbelievable. I still think for fantasy, his ceiling is higher because I think than C.J. Stroud, because when you look at it, I see Anthony Richardson having, uh, in the healthy season, he could put up a Jalen Hurts season. He could put up a Lamar Jackson season. He could put up a Josh Allen season because those rushing, the rushing production, the rushing touchdowns, he could put up a Cam Newton, uh, uh, one of Cam Newton's elite years. He's got that in his repertoire to run for eight touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns. Would the Jalen Hurts get this year, whatever it was, 14, 15? Anthony Richardson can do that. So that puts him at a different ceiling to me than C.J. Stroud. I think Anthony Richardson has a ceiling to be in that mix with Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and where Patrick Mahomes was prior to this year. You know, I think that's Richardson's tier. And then I think C.J. Stroud is kind of in that next tier with the Herberts and the Burrows of the world in terms of fantasy. Uh, so we, he needs to stay healthy. That's going to be a big one. I think that's going to be questions for a lot of people and maybe even a lot of fantasy owners. Uh, you know, is he a guy that, you know, can he stay healthy with his play style? We'll see. A lot of, you know, he's built like a tank. So I think maybe, you know, the injuries this year, just, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, we've seen Josh Allen run plenty and not get hurt. We saw Cam Newton run plenty, not get hurt. We've seen Jalen Hurts run plenty, not get hurt. Same thing with Lamar and all these guys. Uh, you know, and then flip side, Daniel Jones gets hurt a lot. But is it because he runs? I'm, I'm not really sure. So, like, you know, it, it's tough to really peg. It's one year. Uh, hopefully he's back next year and as prolific as we saw in the start of his career. Next up, we got to talk about Bryce Young. Obviously a very, very disappointing year. Really struggled. But that Carolina offense, that Carolina fa- uh, franchise, did him no favors. They're looking for a new coach. They're looking for a new GM. I mean, my guess is they would probably invest in somebody who believes in Bryce Young. But when you have a regime change, one year after a monster trade up to get him, it puts him in a weird spot. So now, like, you know, I still believe in Bryce Young, but the concerns about the size and the height kind of all came to fruition this year. And then you had a poor scheme, not a, not a lot of playmakers, poor offensive line, you know, a lot of turmoil in terms of the, the franchise. And, and this is how we, this is where we kind of are right now uh, with Bryce Young. Uh in fantasy, I think you kind of just got to hold them. I, I can't imagine anyone's dying to buy Bryce Young right now because of how poor he was this year. So I don't, I can't see selling him because the value you're going to get is, is this not going to be worth where you probably took him last year in a dynasty rookie draft, especially if it was a two quarterback or super flex draft. Uh, but then you just kind of got to wait it out and hope that he can become close to the player that we all, that many people thought. But I think at this point now, it's hard to envision a scenario without injuries or anything where Bryce Young is not the third quarterback in this class in terms of fantasy. And I don't think it's inconceivable. I think he's the fourth quarterback uh, because we did see some glimpses of Will Levis. And we did see some things that I think probably get a lot of people excited about Will Levis. He's kind of got that gunslinger mentality, which we knew he, he would. But he's got this prototypical size and frame, and he's got this great arm talent. And listen, Tennessee's going through a major transition, surprisingly firing Mike Vrabel. Uh, Derrick Henry's going to be gone. You know, 
Traylon Burks didn't do anything this year in terms of his development. I, I would imagine DeAndre Hopkins is not there. You know, so there's a lot of question marks with Tennessee for Will Levis as well. But just in terms of body type and what we saw in some moments this year, you can make the case the, the, the best of Will Levis this year was more exciting than the best of Bryce Young. But I think those are a little bit incomplete to, to really talk. I don't think anyone's going to sell Will Levis right now. Like I think people are excited by a little bit of what they saw. Uh, so I think Bryce Young and Will Levis are just kind of kind of got to wait it out. You know, people are going to be intrigued to see if they can develop, but their stock is probably lower now than what it was. But I think Anthony Richardson and, and CJ Stroud obviously are, are the prizes right now uh, in this as well. So if we Take this over. Well, before we go to running backs, I don't think there's anything else really to say about the quarterback position. Hendon Hooker, I can't imagine right now. I think Jared Goff's going to end up staying in Detroit long term. So he's just kind of a, a, a backup at this point. Uh, the Tommy DeVito story was nice while it lasted for the Giants as an undrafted free agent. I can't imagine Ed O'Connell has a real chance to start next year for the Raiders. Uh, Fantasy-wise, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's intriguing, but he had his chance this year. Like, I they're going to, it's going to be Deshaun Watson there with that contract next year. Like, you know, unless Joe Flacco somehow like takes him to a Super Bowl or something and, and, and creates another question mark there. But that's kind of where we are with, with the quarterback position. You know, it's sort of one game of Jaron Hall. It didn't go well. Uh, so I, I kind of think we're talking, it's Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, and then it's Bryce Young and Will Levis kind of paired together there. Kind of see how that plays itself out. Let's take a set of running backs. Uh, obviously at the top, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I think they're in their own tier. I think that now the separation between them is pretty small, right? Now, partially could have been maybe because of the usage of Bijan Robinson. I think I saw a stat that he only had 47% of, of their running back, uh, of their rushes this year, which is just, it, it, it's, it's hard to comprehend when you think about making the investment with the, you know, at the eighth pick in the NFL draft on a superstar premier running back town like B. John Robinson, that him only have 47% of your rushes and he didn't suffer, you know, and besides that one game that maybe set out with a migraine or whatever, even though he was dressed, uh, he was healthy. So, but when you saw B. John Robinson, you saw that elite player, you saw that superstar, you saw the ability to impact the game as a rusher and a receiver uh, with a new coach coming in there, a new scheme in Atlanta. I'd be super excited, you know, about B. John Robinson I think Brace Hall is the only one that maybe is in, is in the consideration to be the RB1. I think it's B. John or I think it's Brace Hall. I mean, I guess you could still, if you're really looking in a one or two year window, C-Mac. But B. John is still the guy who I thought he was going to be. We just didn't see as much of it. And I think that was more coaching uh, than him. But Jameer Gibbs is, is right on his heels. So, like, you know, if you want to, if anyone wants to be uh, Jameer Gibbs in their top three or top four dynasty running backs, I, I think it's totally. Uh, valid and and has merit to it what we saw from him this year you know was a lot of explosiveness he got off to a little bit of a slow start in terms of his running but we, we saw the, the speed the explosiveness the ability to get to the outside the home run breath the pass catching ability uh you know he's a guy that to me you know is that complete package there who could be an impact guy like in austin eckler was i you know or something along those lines uh, you know, I, I don't see the Alvin Kamara. I, I, I continue to say that they just don't have the same style or the same, you know, build and frame. Uh, but a, a more, 
maybe even a more explosive Austin Eckler, which is a pretty impressive uh, comp. So if you have, if you got B. John or Jameer Gibbs, you're sitting pretty right now. Like you're talking about two of the top five, or two of the top five, or two of the top four. You know, overall dynasty running backs. Uh, both had good years. Could could even have better years next year, and could easily become the number one, number two running back in all of fantasy football. You know, whether it's next year or the year after, I would not be surprised if one year we see Robinson and Gibbs or Gibbs and Robinson as number one, number two. Uh, in in the season for running back fantasy points. After that, a couple more guys that I'm really excited about moving forward. One is Devin A. Chain. For anyone who's been a longtime listener of Saturday Sunday, they know how much I love Devin A. Chain coming out. He was my clear RB3 last year. I had him leaps and bounds ahead of guys like Zach Charbonnet, Andre Miller, uh, Ty J. Spears, who we'll get to momentarily. But I had A. Chain in his own, his own group. I thought he was warranted of going early second round and when he was healthy, we saw that big play explosive ability. I think he finished the year with like a 6.9 yards per carry. You just don't see that in the NFL. That's like some college stuff. And if he could stay healthy in that scheme and in that offense, we're going to see Devin A. Chain put up, even if he doesn't, even if he's only always like a 12 touch type of guy, 13 touch type of guy, you're going to see him put up insane, you know, RB1 type numbers because of his big playability. I, you know, even last year I said he reminded me a lot of Chris Johnson. And I don't know why he can't be that type of player. I think he can. He showed at Texas A&M in his last year there that he could handle a heavier workload. I don't think they want to do that to him, uh, you know, and wear him down. But I do think it's something that he could, he could carry more. But this year, he most of was just so. Uh, prolific as well that they weren't going to do that and then the injuries kind of slowed that down but Devin A. Chain if someone is not valuing him as a top 12 or top 10 dynasty running back aggressively aggressively go buy him offer a mid round one rookie pick or a late round one rookie pick uh, if somebody rather have a mid to late round one rookie pick over Devin A. Chain make that swap because besides like the elite wide receivers the Marvin Harrison the Lake Neighbors the Romo Dunze and besides the quarterbacks, Caleb Daniels may in a super flex setting, I would want Devin A. Chain over every other rookie that's going to be in this draft. Easily over every running back. That's not even debatable. But I would take him over every other uh, wide receiver. I think I would maybe take him over Brock Bowers, but that's a tricky one. So I think if you're in that 7, 8, if, if someone, if you have that 7, 8, 9 pick, I'd, mo- I'd be totally okay offering that pick for Devin A. Chain to see if you can get Devin A. Chain on your team. I'd go buy him now. I think the best is yet to come. Ty J. Spears, another guy stock through the roof. Go get Ty J. Spears now. If people are worried about the injury stuff, I think we started this year, you just let it ride. Maybe in three or four years, he can't play anymore. But worry about that in three to four years. Derrick Henry is going to be off the Titans. It's going to be the Ty J. Spears show next year. He's got legit RB1 season and potentially in him next year. If he gets 15 to 16 touches a week, uh, I would aggressively go buy Ty J. Spears. Late round one rookie pick, early round two rookie pick. I would easily spin that off for Ty J. Spears right now. Rather Ty J. Spears in his situation than any rookie uh, that's going to come out in this draft as well. Zach Charbonnet obviously playing behind Kent Walker. We saw some good moments. I still have my questions about Charbonnet. I don't think he's as explosive or as talented as Zach, uh, as Kenneth Walker. So now with Pete Carroll no longer there, are they going to be as much of a run-oriented team? I think 
Carroll leaving really hurts a guy like Charbonnet. Because I think if you bring in a new coach, they're going to probably favor Kenneth Walker. Because I think when you watch them two play, there is a separation there of talent. The speed, the prolific ability of Kenneth Walker, the home run threat. Uh, I think Zach Charbonnet is a good finisher, a good, you know, a closing back maybe in the fourth quarter. He could handle a heavy workload. But but I do think there's a clear difference. So I think if you take took Charbonnet in round one last year, you're probably a little disappointed uh, with what's happened since. If you can get off of him, I would sell Charbonnet and I would say, okay, I'll take an early second round rookie pick for him. I'll take a mid-second round rookie pick. I might be willing to do that based on the Kent Walker situation, the Pete Carroll situation. I might be willing to do that. Uh, Kendra Miller, we didn't really get, get a chance to see, so I think he's just kind of a waited out. Uh, if someone's willing to sell low, I'm okay buying low, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay, I wouldn't pay the price of what he was in last year. He was a third round, so I don't think that guarantees him a big role going forward. I think they like him, and we'll see what he is. So I wouldn't be actively looking to sell him, but I wouldn't be actively looking to buy him unless the price was cheaper than what he was drafted at. You could say the same thing about Roshan Johnson. You know, he never seized control of that. He was a fourth-round pick. I'm not putting my eggs in a fourth-round. Chicago has, has the ammunition to upgrade at the running back position. They have the money if they want to do it in free agency. Uh, you know, they could be a destination for Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs. You know, they could, they could you know, with all their draft picks, they can pick one in the second round, or just, you know, if they wanted to. So I would not, as much as I like Roshan Johnson, the player, I would not be looking to buy him right now at all uh so that would be one that i would just kind of let that play out uh chase brown in cincinnati is an intriguing one you can get him cheap and i'll think i'll I'll pair him and keaton mitchell here together if you can get either one of those guys we're talking elite teams we're talking elite offenses question marks in baltimore they could easily draft somebody in the third or fourth round and goes with keaton mitchell chase brown joe mixon is getting older I think he's going to be there one more year, but who's to say Chase Brown can't be in more of a timeshare with him next year and kind of work it, kind of go from there. So I think he's in it. I think both of those guys are interesting guys that I'd be willing uh, to try to get now on my dynasty team. From there, uh, Tank Biggs be really disappointing year. Uh, so I think he's the guy that, you know, I, I don't even know what to say because I really liked him coming out. Uh, if you can get him for nothing and put him on the back of your dynasty squad, I'm okay with that. Uh, it can't get his value can't get any lower than it is right now. Uh, Eric Gray really interesting. You know, Townsend like Saquon return to the Giants is more questionable than I think I thought it was going to be. Uh, so Eric Gray's an interesting guy. Could I see the Giants drafting somebody on day two? Yeah, but I could also see them drafting somebody in the fourth round and and kind of just making it an open competition. Eric Gray, this guy, maybe they bring somebody in you know, a veteran in and, and just kind of go there. I don't know. So Eric Gray's an interesting one, but it really all hinges on Saquon Barkley. If Saquon Barkley's there, he's nothing more than, the, you know, a handcuff, a backup, barely rosterable. But if Saquon's not there, I think he's a very intriguing guy. So the owner of Eric Gray might depend on, you know, they might want to hold out until they find some Saquon news uh, in March. But, you know, that's where it is with Eric Gray. I, I thought he did a few nice things when he, when he got an opportunity late in the year, but very, very, very small sample size. Chris Rodriguez was in the mix there with Washington. I, you know, I wouldn't get too excited about him. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, I think he's a bit player. 
and the rest of these guys. It's not a lot to talk about after, you know, we get through the, the first 10 or 11 there. If we spin this over to the pass catchers, let's start the tight ends, and then we'll end with the, the, the wide receivers. So the tight end is fascinating because Sam Laporta is number one on most dynasty tight end boards right now overall. So I think you know how that went. I mean, obviously a prolific year for Sam Laporta, upside through the roof. Uh, so anyone who wants to have a number one on their tight end boards, I totally get it. So that was a fantastic year. Dalton Kincaid had moments, especially when Dawson Knox was out, that he was unbelievable. So I think he's a guy that you really, uh, he's a guy that has tight mid to high tight end one upside. If people aren't valuing him like that, I would I'd aggressively go get Dalton Kincaid. And then after that, I still think Luke Musgrave and Michael Mayer both could be tight end ones. So I like both of them. I'd go buy either of them. Uh, and if you're not a Luke Musgrave guy and you want to take a shot on Tucker Craft, I can kind of get behind that as well. Just because, you know, one of those guys is going to develop there. Now, maybe it's a situation that they, between the two of them, they kind of split the duties and that impacts things. It's possible. But I do like Musgrave still a lot. Uh, I thought he showed some things early in the year for some injuries at the end. But I do like Musgrave. I do like Mayer. I'd be looking to buy both of them if I can get them for like a late second round pick, I'll say. If I can get both of them, either of them for like a late second round pick, I would definitely pull the trigger on them. I'd be aggressive if I needed a starter to see if I can, what it would cost me to get Dalton Kincaid. I might even bring up Laporta. He's not going to be able to be had anywhere as now number one overall, basically dynasty tight and out there. Besides that, I don't really think there's anybody. Luke Shoemaker, I think, is going to, you know, with with Jake Ferguson playing so well, I think that makes Luke Shoemaker very hard to get behind. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, I think, is going to keep Darnell Washington, it, you know, kind of more of a, a backup. Evan Ingram signed a big contract to stay in Jacksonville and then goes out and gets 100 catches this year. So even though Brenton Strange was taken in the second round, I, I, I don't see fantasy viability for Brenton Strange moving there. That's kind of at the tight end position. Take it to the wide receiver position. I mean, man, the top of the wide receiver board is just, I talked about the rankings a couple weeks ago. But like, Puka Nakua just had the greatest rookie season of all time, breaking, breaking records left and right. He's a top 10, top 12 overall dynasty wide receiver in some people's eyes right after year one. So that's Puka Nakua right at the top. Zay Flowers is the number one wide receiver on Baltimore, and I think that is going to stick for a while. I don't see them investing another premium asset in a wide receiver there. I think Zay Flowers could easily be their guy there. So we saw moments where he was used all over the field. I think he's got 100 catch ability in him. Uh, Jordan Addison, we saw his level of ability, especially when Justin Jefferson was out. He had a great rookie season. I think the question mark about Jordan Addison. So if you you had somebody who was who made an aggressive offer on Jordan Addison, I would say I'd listen to it. And I'd listen to it for two reasons. One, the loss of Kirk Cousins, you know, I think puts questions on the overall offense, if he doesn't come back, I should say. And two, you still have Justin Jefferson there. So we saw this year Devonta Smith not live up to the hype of his pre-draft, like pre-redraft uh, rankings because of A.J. Brown. We saw T. Higgins, even when he was there, not live up to the hype. So you got to be careful with these second wide receivers. There's plenty to go around. 
but if people overreact to Jordan Addison's rookie year and look at him as a top 15 dynasty wide receiver, if people think next year he's a guy who belongs in the second or third round of redraft leagues, I think there's ability there to sell. With Jordan Jefferson there, with TJ Hawkinson there, with questions at the quarterback position, I'm just saying, I love Jordan Addison, the player. I loved him last year coming out. I love what he did this year, but I do think there's a scenario where his value can be pushed up a little bit higher than, than it, it actually is. So that would be my talk on him. Tank Dell. Obviously, his season cut short due to an injury, a freak injury when he was blocking at the one-yard line. Different story for another day while he was on the field blocking, you know, from like the half-yard line. But Tank Dell was explosive this year. He showed inside-outside versatility, even at his size. The, the connection... And the chemistry he has with C.J. Stroud is undeniable. C.J. Stroud wanted him, and they immediately had that chemistry. Uh, unbelievable production that we saw from him. And because he's not slot only, I think he keeps his ceiling really elevated in terms of fantasy value. If people are questioning him because of the injury, because of the size and the frame, because of the, the emergence of how great Nico Collins was this year, I'd aggressively... Go get Tank Dell as well. Love Tank Dell, the player. Uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba can be really interesting now. Does Seattle look for a coach who's maybe more of a base three wide? And that changes the whole narrative around Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Instead of mostly, you know, looking at him as the guy who still has to wait out, lock it, or Metcalf being on the team, if they go to a three base wide receiver, then it changes the narrative of him and he can maybe live up to you know, what we thought he could be coming into college. If people are down on him from his rookie year, lack of production, I would totally be into buying Jackson Spendajigba for a mid to late round one rookie pick as well. Rishi Wright, listen, there's a good possibility. I think they're going to get somebody, but if they don't, I think they're going to try to make a bigger splash. But if they don't, there's a real possibility Rishi Rice is, you know, the number one wide receiver with Travis Kelsey slowing down. Is it inconceivable that he soon becomes the number one option in the passing game, the passing offense of KC? I don't think it's crazy to think. So Rishi Rice stock skyrocketing. Make sure people are valuing him as high as they should. He's another guy that would warrant a late round one rookie pick. If you want to pull the trigger, maybe even a mid round one rookie pick. Uh, I might be con- willing to consider pulling the trigger. Give me Rishi Rice in that situation than Troy Franklin or... Brian Thomas Jr. or uh, maybe even Keon Coleman, right? Like, I don't know about that one, but maybe. So make sure he's being valued appropriately. Jaden Reed, I mean, what about an amazing rookie year for Jaden Reed? Uh, used in a variety of ways, can play all over the, the formation. You can play him in the slot. You can play him outside. He can win at all three levels of field, sky Ceiling through the roof right now for Jaden Reed. He's easily the Green Bay wide receiver to own in Dynasty. Head of Christian Watson. I don't even think that's debatable right now. Uh, I think he's the guy that would, would lead their team in targets moving forward. Uh, obviously, good connection with Jordan Love. I could still see people not fully buying into Jaden Reed. People didn't really love him in last year's draft circle, uh, especially the fantasy community. I think it was very on him. Some film people and charting people really liked them, but not like the, the fan. I didn't get the vibe that the fantasy community did. I can use that to your advantage. If you can get Jane Reed for any second round rookie pick, you should make that trade instantly. 10 out of 10 times. Nobody 
should say no to a second round rookie pick for Jaden Reed. If you can trade a second round rookie pick and get Jaden Reed, you should be making that trade now. Uh, Josh Downs, I think he's got 90 catch upside in him. But again, he's more limited to the slot. But he he was really productive this year. Uh, in, you know, he was a huge guy. He was a guy that I said last year, I didn't think there was a big difference between Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, and Josh Downs. I still really don't. I think Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers have more outside versatility. But I think Josh Downs is going to be a guy who could easily catch 90 passes and be a very productive fantasy wide receiver. And then a wide receiver, maybe a ceiling just not as high as A. Flowers or Jordan Addison, who do have more ability to win vertically down the field. Maybe their touchdown equity is a little bit higher as well. Jalen Hyatt, I think he's going to get every opportunity to be an integral part of the Giants' pass on offense next year. And I, I do think we saw a lot of him this year. We saw more refinement to his game than I think we thought. There's still more refinement, but we saw him make plays after the catch, make pick up yards after the catch. We saw him win contested catches and go up and get it on top of that elite speed that always seemed to have him wide open down the field. Questions with him is one, if Daniel Jones is the quarterback back next year, he's got to show the, the willingness and the ability to push the ball vertically down the field. Two, if the Giants don't get a quarterback in round one and do take a wide receiver like Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze, well, now you're talking about getting a pretty crowded wide receiver room for a non-prolific passing quarterback because you're talking about, you know, insert top 10 wide receiver pick, Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze. One, though, Robinson really emerged this year, and he's going to be their big-time weapon out of the slot. Darius Slayton played really well this year. You know, Darren Waller's going to be back for next year. That's not long-term. But even just insert elite wide receiver one in the top 10, and one, though, Robinson, it could relegate Jalen Hyatt's best-case scenario to be the third wide receiver in terms of targets, and maybe even the fourth based on how productive Darius Slayton was this year. So I like him. But for me, I'd want to get, if I was trading for him, I'd want to get him for like a mid-ish to late second round rookie pick. Would not be more aggressive than that. Quinton Johnson, I, I shared my concerns last year. They they completely came to fruition. Uh, can't separate. Doesn't play up to his size. I'd be out on Quinton Johnson. If somebody, if I owned Quinton Johnson in any scenario and somebody offered me a second round rookie pick, I would take it and then move on because I don't think we see seasons that poorly and players play that poorly, be able to flip a switch and be a really good fantasy player. So I'd rather take my chances with another wide receiver in a stacked wide receiver class in round two. I don't even think he should warrant a round two rookie pick right now. He went like somewhere in round one in most rookie drafts, uh, late round one, usually maybe earlier. If you can, if you had him and you get a second round rookie pick, any second round rookie pick, I think I would probably pull the trigger. Uh, that takes us through 10 of the the guys, guys that, listen, Jonathan Mingo really disappointed this year, but that situation was horrendous. I'd buy Jonathan Mingo. I don't think it would cost you more than a third round rookie pick. I'd be willing to take a chance on Jonathan Mingo for a third round rookie pick. Early third round, I'd be willing to take a chance on Marvin Mims for maybe even a late second round rookie pick. Uh, especially if they get a quarterback that can push the ball vertically down the field, and especially if Jerry Judy is not with the team anymore. Uh, Michael Wilson's an intriguing player there. He'd be more of like a, a mid to late round three rookie pick I'd give up for him. Cedric Kelman, we'll see what his situation is in Cleveland. He might be a good buy low. Uh, 
Tyler Scott, is he the Darnell Mooney replacement? He could be an interesting, especially Chicago, get the guy like Caleb Williams, a more natural thrower. Uh, then I don't think Justin Fields could support DJ Moore and another wide receiver just based on how the offense is situated. But if they bring in a prolific passer like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, I do think the situation's a little bit different. And Tyler Scott becomes a very interesting player. I wouldn't mind stashing him. I wouldn't mind stashing Charlie Jones in Cincinnati until we see what happens with T. Higgins and and uh, and uh, Boyd. Uh, same thing for uh, who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Uh, uh, Andre Asovis in Cincinnati. Also, he'd be another guy. I'd be very intrigued with this guy stashing on the back of my dynasty teams. Dontavian Wicks really showed up. If he's in, if 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 next year it's Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, and Christian Watson is third, I don't think it's crazy. I think Christian Watson will be number two. But they really like Dontavian Wicks. Uh, he's a guy that I think people might be sleeping on. He'd be a guy that I'd love to trade a late round three or or a fourth round rookie pick if someone's willing to to, to take that for him, or maybe a veteran that that really you know it can't help you anymore, but maybe can help somebody else. I wouldn't mind trying to get Dontavian Wicks on my roster. Uh, for sure. So those are kind of the the going through almost every player guy. Trey Palmer's interesting. A.T. Perry's interesting. But those are those are guys that kind of stash away to see how things kind of play out in terms of their depth charts. So there it is, guys. A concluding NFL rookie report uh, for the 2023 rookie class. We'll still check in on these guys because we'll talk big picture overall dynasty stuff. Uh, and, and then obviously when we get closer to the draft, I love around draft time, especially right after the draft, comparing the new rookie class to these guys. So when you're doing your rookie drafts, would you rather have, let's say what I said, like, would you rather have Rishi Rice or Brian Thomas Jr.? Like, I like kind of blending those rankings together. I think that's a fun uh, a fun exercise. It'll be really interesting this year with the quarterbacks, right? Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud blending in with Drake May and Caleb Williams and Jane Daniels for a fantasy perspective, how I would have them ranked, like, all the great wide receivers coming out, Marvin Harrison, those guys. How would I rank them with Puka Nakua and this year's class? Uh, it'll be fun. Does Brock Bowers go, uh, you know, right below Sam Laporta? Did some people rather have Brock Bowers over Sam Laporta. Things like that are fun conversations once we kind of landing spots for these guys. But this is this was kind of my final take. If I can bring somebody on to get a different perspective on these rookies, I might do that. But I wanted to share my final thoughts on the rookie seasons. Uh, as as we head to the NFL playoffs and the offseason for all, for many of these rookies, uh, what I would be doing in, in my own personal leagues in terms of buying, selling, what would I want for these guys? Uh, I wanted to share my thoughts with you on, on all things the 2023 rookie class uh, in that final NFL rookie report for the season. If you're enjoying this content, please get over to the website. SS Football Fastest and Easiest Way to Get There. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, on the website, check out our premium content tab. And for $9.99, you get access to all of our stuff. Uh, the Scaly Notebook, Rankings Notebook, and then April, the Draft Projections Notebook. Once official declarations are made next week, I will start to separate the rankings and the scouting Notebook in terms of uh, players that declared and then players that decide to go back to school. So then you can have tabs for just the guys who are going to be in this year's draft. The other stuff will still stay there. So if you want to see my Quinn Ewers write-up, you can go check out my Quinn Ewers write-up, but it won't be in the section with, you know, with Caleb Williams and Drake May, provided, you know, that Caleb Williams comes out. 
uh, you know, it won't be with Jaden Daniels and stuff like that. It'll be, it's a separate tab. So it'll be easy to navigate and, and check out all my thoughts on all that. I will add a lot. I will do a lot more updating, a lot more additions to the scouting notebook. Once I know who's officially in, I uh, once I know who's going to the senior bowl and stuff like that as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.